When we look at 1 Corinthians 13, I began this conversation by saying, Paul, in chapter 12, he talks about spiritual gifts, then he talks about a way of excellence. And I would like to argue that for those who want to pursue excellence in anything, that the way of love is the way to do it. But there's much more to it than that. It actually has to do with the house that we worship in or the group that we meet together with becoming a house of love, a house of healing, a house of worship. That community becomes a place that is epitomized by having love, being people with loving hearts and souls. And so when we address the difficult issues in life, we, we do that with, from the perspective of love. We do that from the perspective of having been healed by the love of God and then sharing that love. And without the healing and without the love, then the world is just a very cold and confusing place. But I believe that not only is love a better way, but it is the way that God had intended for mankind to live all the way from the beginning. I wish I had the time to talk about the failure in the garden, not just the disobedience and the deception, not just the um, act of being deceived and not just the fall, but the breakdown in the relationship between husband and wife, between men and women. I don't have time to go in that right now, but I, I do want to say this, that I really believe that the most basic conflict that we have in this world usually happens as we recognize that other people have a different will and different needs and different gifts and different abilities and different vulnerabilities. And it's just very difficult many times to navigate all of that but I will say that for those that, that pursue love, as Paul will end with or begin the next chapter with, for those who pursue love, spiritual gifts are an added bonus. So it's not a, it's not, Paul's not arguing for, okay, uh, spiritual gifts or love, but he's actually arguing for the spiritual gifts to be exercised in the groundwork and the framework of love. So uh, I, I want to I stick with that and, and, and encourage that. Uh, in two weeks, I want to share with you, uh, the Lord helped me to, to write a paper. I've written a paper that is um, 12 benefits to uh, praying in tongues. And, and so I just want to use that. I, I won't be able to go through all 12. I'll just pick out a couple of them. 12 benefits to praying in tongues. So when Paul starts out by saying, if I speak in tongues, if I pray in tongues, if I prophesy, if I have knowledge, I think that's a word of knowledge. If you, if you follow the um, chapter 12, 13, and 14, every time he mentions knowledge, he's talking about a, like a word of knowledge or word of wisdom. And, or if God has given you or me some kind of understanding and mystery, you know, he, he starts talking about little bits of information that the Spirit is able to communicate to a body of believers. So he said, if I did all those things, you might think me spiritual, 
but you're not really spiritual because you have a gift. You would be considered spiritual because you're led by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is always going to lead you in the pathway that is going to be a harmony between the truth, Scripture, and love. The Holy Spirit is the one who marries truth and love. The thing that David prophesied about in the psalm, that he, the, the, the Messiah, would, he would marry truth and love together. And, and that becomes the, the very essence of grace. So um, we don't uh, throw out truth, and we certainly don't throw out love, but those two things have to be brought together in order for us to become a community of people that we ought to be. So I want to answer the question that I asked at the beginning, have you ever been misunderstood? And, and then I also asked the question, are there things that you don't understand and would like to understand? And I'm going to just ask one more question. And, and that question would be, would you like to really truly be known? Wouldn't it be nice to really know yourself? to know your own heart, to know God, to know how he sees you, to understand the relationship. Let me give you an example of that. On one day, Jesus needed to draw something out of his disciples, and he asked a question. Now, when Jesus asks a question, he always knows the answer. He's not actually searching for new information. When you and I ask questions, it's usually because we, we don't know. He already knew the answer, but he asked the question, and the question was basically, if I could paraphrase it, who are the people saying that I am, that Jesus is? Who do they think that I am? And the answer was that some people think you're Elijah, resurrected. Some people think you're John the Baptist, resurrected. Some people think you're a prophet, you know. And then... Judy, uh, Judy, yeah. Here I go again. Then Jesus, Jesus, Judy. I have to obey them both, you know. <laughs> They're so darn hard to tell apart sometimes, you know. Jesus asks a further question, more probing. He says, okay, guys, who who do you think I am? Who are you confessing? What is your confession of me? Who am I to you? And of course, Peter is the first one. With a flash of inspiration, which Jesus will say is attributed to the Holy Spirit. So that would be, uh, I believe, uh, an example of a word of knowledge. Something that, that Peter didn't know, hadn't pondered, hadn't thought about, but in a moment, the inspiration was there and the Spirit whispers to him and he hears, Peter hears him saying, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. He, he is just echoing what the Spirit whispered into his spirit. So he, he had received a word of knowledge. You can receive words of knowledge in all kinds of different ways, but in that moment, uh, Jesus identifies that as being a function of the Holy Spirit. And even if we wanted to make sure, he wanted to make sure that we didn't misunderstand, he said, I guarantee you flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. Which is another way of Jesus saying, 
Peter, I love you, man, but you didn't think of that yourself. That was way ahead of you. The wonderful thing is that in that moment, when, when Peter, in, in that moment of inspiration, Peter looks at Jesus and he says the unthinkable. And I, I know that you've heard that phrase before, but for a Hebrew, for a Jewish man, to be confessing that this man in front of him, his friend, is none other than the Messiah. To say that he is the Christ, he is the Messiah, he is the son of the living God. Um, Peter has just leaped over so many barriers, so many barriers. There are so many things that would argue against Peter saying a thing like that. And you know, you know, Jesus is not tempted by flattery, you know, and, and, and it's not pride when it's true, you know. So, you know, Jesus didn't say, oh, sorry, Peter, I'm, I'm, excuse me, I'm not, you're, you're attributing way too much to me, you know. Jesus didn't do that. It was a truth in that moment of bare inspiration or revelation, and that's what I'm praying for that God gives the church revelation right now. Just a, a moment of revelation. In that revelation, uh, when he sees and hears himself saying, oh my God, God, you are God. Jesus, you are God. And oh my God, I can't believe I just said you're God. You know, I mean, you know, so he is, he is as dumbfounded as all the disciples around him. The other guys are looking at him and saying, dude, you crossed some kind of line there, you know until Jesus said flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you but the the spirit okay so in that moment of revelation okay my friend Jesus is the Christ is is like that's a game changer everything changes right then and there so then Jesus does what Jesus does he looks at Peter and he says now that you know who I am, let me tell you who you are. You will never know who you are until you have a revelation of who Jesus is. You know, I was telling Judy the other day, most people get one gift in life, you know. And it's, I think it is from the Holy Spirit. Some people are gifted from birth you know, some people have more than one gift, but the, the point of, the, of, of this is, let, let's just suppose that God gives a spiritual gift to everybody, especially once you realize who Jesus is. When you know who he is, then that gift gets activated in your life. And now with that gift, we're supposed to bring those gifts together. And when we bring those gifts together, um, what begins to happen is we can get little more, little bits of information more, right? But one of the wo most wonderful things is to have this event where you accept Christ as your Savior. And when you do, in that moment when you say, you hear yourself saying, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Or as, Je as Paul would say it, Jesus is Lord. That would be the Gentile way of saying the same thing. When, when you confess that Jesus is Lord, 
by the Spirit of God, in that moment, you start to discover bits and pieces about who you are. So I wanted to say something about personal prophecy, not maybe a national prophet, not maybe a prophecy in the church to the whole church, but when someone has a word from the Holy Spirit and gives you a personal prophecy, it's a little, it's a little bit of information that you may not have had. Maybe it confirms, maybe it encourages you, or maybe you never ever thought of it before. But I want us to think for just a moment that when someone prays in a tongue or in by the, the Spirit, or someone brings a prophecy, or someone brings a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge, or um, if they share a mystery, it's giving little bits and pieces of information that, that we need. And I don't know about you, but I could use all the little bits of information that we could get right now. I'm very cautious where I get that information from. So I continue to study the scriptures so that I have something to test it with, right? That becomes the standard. That becomes what I test it against, you know. So um, I, I, Judy is sitting over here. She can vouch for me that, that we are in the ministry today by a prophecy, by a word of... It's not just one prophecy. It was more than one. In fact, there was two prophecies that, that it took two just to jumpstart me into wrapping my mind around the possibility that maybe God was calling me I felt him calling me into the ministry, be calling me to be a pastor was something entirely different. The reason is because I had a wonderful pastor in my life, and I didn't feel that I measured up to him at all. So I was not actually, that was not on my radar. Even though full-time ministry or serving the Lord, that was on my grid, but actually being a pastor that was something that took a prophecy and I don't know how many years in between but several years prophecy given to Judy and I specifically several years later uh, the prophecy given again in the first prophecy uh, the Holy Spirit said I'll speak to you a second time in the second prophecy a different time different place different people uh, now the, 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 the person prophesying is saying this is the second time I've talked to you about you know, and I, so it, it, it was undeniable that God was speaking. It was a little bit of information, okay? All of that together, <clears throat> read your book, your magazine, watch whatever, you know, but, but I, <clears throat> I'm going to just tell you that at the end of the day, when you've nurtured the inner garden of your soul and you sensitized yourself to hear the voice of God and you're walking in a relationship with him and you're able to have communion anywhere anytime with anyone um, when, you know that's what communion means you're walking in communion with God you know when you start walking in communion with God and he drops those little things like like he did for uh, JD I don't know if, uh, the, if you caught the impact of what he was saying there if I understood him correctly he's almost out of gas and he's certainly out of time and God starts filling his tank up as he's driving. You know, that's, that's pretty cool. Like, I'm just going to go on record, Lord, anytime you want to fill my tank up, you're have at it, you know. In fact, the highest octane you want. I mean, you know, if we're going to be late, let's go fast, you know. So, 
those little pieces of information, those little bits of information <clears throat> is what Paul is talking about. He says, we, we, we know in part. We prophesy in part. We have mysteries in part. We understand the scriptures in part. I don't know if you noticed, but he doesn't say, and those are bad things. You should know it all. He doesn't say that. He's saying that on the best day of your life, in the midst of revival, in the midst of a season when your heart is just bursting with love for God and love for your brothers and love for the world and people around you, in, in the midst of all of that, on your best day, and God speaks to you, and it's, and it's just happening with great, you know, uh, con uh, continuity. Uh, there, there's just a routine, you know, like every time you sit down and open the Bible, God is just jumping out off those pages to you. Every time that you open the book, you know, even in those seasons, and those seasons come, thank God, they come, and sometimes they, they're few and far between, but even on your best day, when Everything is firing. You're firing on all spiritual cylinders, and you're in a church that is filled with people like that, and everybody's faith level is high. Everybody's worship level is high, and everybody's hope level is high. You know, and on, on, even when that is happening on your best day, everything that you got is only part. It's just part. It's partial. Now, he doesn't say, look, okay, <clears throat> um, prophecies, words of knowledge, message in tongues, interpretation, those are partial. Open your Bible, that's complete. He didn't say that. I will say that. I'll say that the scriptures are complete insofar as in inerrant, insofar as they have been uh, given to us, but God has not given us everything that we need. I'll give you an example. Like, apparently, the third book of Corinthians, we didn't need. Because Paul talks about another letter he wrote. It was, so there's three letters he wrote to the church at Corinth. We only have two of them. I'm guessing that's all we need right now. And by the way, someone comes up with a third one I'd be suspicious of it okay just a little suspicious that you know that thing's been hidden for so long so uh, my my point is to say that these are wonderful gifts from the Holy Spirit thank God for them but the information we get from them is only partial so uh, let me just help you out um First of all, if there is a prophet and he's calling people out and he's prophesying over everybody and he doesn't call you and doesn't prophesy over you, um, what does that mean? It may mean that the prophet is tired. It may mean that, uh, you know, you've been hearing what you need to hear from God, you know, and he doesn't have to reiterate it through something so dramatic as that kind of like 
sitting in the sanctuary in a clawfoot tub and have <laughs> being fully exposed, you know, when, you know, I'm just, so like when a prophet comes in and he skips over me, I'm like, whew, thank God, you know, <laughs> I don't need to be exposed here, you know, but Paul says at the end of 1 Corinthians 14, we should not despise prophecy and we shouldn't, we shouldn't, um, forbid people from speaking in tongues he's saying I know that this is all subject to your humanness and it is possible to get things wrong and it is possible for prophets to miss it it is possible for pastors to to miss it it is very possible for people in the congregation to get up and to share something and miss it that's possible but even when it's working well as it should it's only it's only partial. And that's the point where I'm supposed to say, run to your Bible, you'll find a whole lot more information. And I would say yes, because I think that when I'm in God's word, it's sensitizing my spirit to recognize his voice. So that when I hear something that sounds way different than what he says in the Bible, I say, nah, I don't think that's the voice of God. I think that's pizza, you know, or something less. So, instead of saying tongues and prophecies and words of knowledge and words of wisdom is so dangerous and so partial and so uh, inferior to the word of God, you should just probably dismiss all of that stuff. I would say to me, give me the messy I'd rather be around people who have a gift from the Spirit, who are very human and very messy, and will will take the partial that they have and will sort it out with the Word of God because the part that you have may be the part that I need. And the part that I have might be the very part that you need. <clears throat> but Paul says, I, 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 I would just kind of compare this and he uses two metaphors the first metaphor is this of he was a child and when he was a child he thought like a child he spoke like a child when we grew up became a man he put away childish things he is not saying you know when I was first born again I needed tongues and prophecies and all that sort of thing but when I got mature I didn't need all that because I knew the scriptures he's not saying that He's actually saying that when he was a child, he thought like children think, just like you did. We think um, childish because we are immature. But when we grow older, we become mature. That's the whole thing. That's the whole difference between being childish and being an adult is that not only has your body aged, and matured, but your mind and your thinking and your process has grown and matured. Hold that thought. Second metaphor. He moves to the mirror. We think about like the one that if you break it, you get seven years bad luck or whatever. Your, your mirror would be breakable. Paul's, Paul never knew of a glass mirror. He only knew of a 
polished uh, piece of brass or polished piece of metal and he can get a reflection in it he certainly can shave or whatever with it you know but it's not like you know the 3d imagery we can get in ultrasounds nowadays you know I, I, I'm, I'm like they can look through our bodies and see another person in there for goodness sake you know when we look in a mirror today you see an exact replication of your face just get used to it that's what the rest of us are looking at what you see in there is what you get that's what you the rest of us see that same thing that same face there isn't any dimness or darkness unless there's no light that's another story but in Paul's day looking at the glass or looking at the mirror was a dim reflection of himself he couldn't really see himself so child adult mirror dim we know in part we see in part but when that which is perfect has come now here's where the debate goes in all kinds of directions I don't have the time to go in there with you but I'm just going to say that that the most consistent thing that I can find if you read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 I know that what we're hoping for is that the perfect that is coming is Jesus and uh, some people are hoping that the perfect that will come is the scriptures and I'm just going to tell you that it's both of those and more but I believe that consistent with 12, 13, and 14 is the knowledge that we have right now is in part but one day it will be full and right now it's in a mirror darkly but then it will be face to face now it's not me looking in a mirror but me looking into the face of God which is exactly what God did with Moses when 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 God was vindicating Moses he said of Moses that uh, when there is a prophet or there's a man who is of understanding that God speaks to him in dreams and etc and stuff like that but he speaks to Abraham face to face as a man speaks with his friend uh, I'm just going to tell you that God does not socially distance ever so the um, dim reflection we have okay the dim reflection that we have is going to be based on two things three things the more we're in the scripture the the more that we are sensitizing our spirit to him the more that we are together and sharing our parts bringing our parts together so that we have a more complete picture those those things when we bring those together we're actually going to see him more clearly and I will throw this in there that as our faith grows then I just want to tell you that it it has been the testimony of saints of old who have talked with me or saints that I have met or people that I admire that when you talk to them and you find out that their communion communion with the Lord has brought them to a place where they've They've so grown in faith that they actually don't need to see the Lord to truly believe in him.
Brother Lawrence, thinking of the testimony of that wonderful monk uh, in the French monastery so many years ago. <clears throat> and he, he said that it, his testimony was that as he was um, aging and dying, um, he, there was just times that God was so precious to, precious to him that he thought that he had already died. And he, had, he, he couldn't figure out that he was actually alive until something started hurting in his body. And when something started hurting, he realized, I must be still alive. Can you imagine having such a faith and such a presence of the Lord in your times of worship that, that, that you, you can't tell, am I here or am I there? Well, let me ask you this. Can you imagine this? Just go get what you can and bring it back and share it with us. Please, get what you can and share it with us. Because the part that you have, we may need. We will see him face to face. So I believe that the perfect that is to come, consistent with 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, would be the knowledge that we desire. The knowledge that we desire. You will know even as you are known. scary thought it's a comforting thought to me it's a comforting thought because I can't tell you how many times I hurt my wife and never meant to I can't tell you how many times I hurt my children and never dreamed of it it's just me being me no thought or motive or intention of hurting anyone and just was awkward, just was human, just was so fallible or fumbling around with the little part that I have. So the little part I have might seem small to you, but it's, it's like way bigger than, than what I had a long time ago. And I can't wait till the day when Judy knows me as I intended to be. I can't wait until Judy actually is able to say, I have no regrets, Rich, you know, no regrets. I can't wait till the day till you can know me as God knows me. I can't wait till the day when I don't see your struggle and struggle in my humanity with your struggle and not know you as God knows you. I can't wait till the day when God is able to just open her eyes and he's able to say, let me tell you what happened in 2020 and 2021 and I fear 2022. Let me tell you what was happening. But until that day, I urge you, take the part that you have. Take the part that you've been given and bring it together. Let's bring the parts together and we'll have a more complete picture here and now. But one day, I guarantee you, brothers and sisters, you will be fully known. By the way, if that still scares you, that, that 
there's something that God wants to heal. There's something that God wants to forgive. There's something that God wants to save or redeem. What a wonderful thing for people who are lost and broken and confused to have a moment where they are fully known and the world actually sees what God saw. I'm praying that God gives the church a revelation that every human being that he created has some creative purpose bound up within them that only he sees and only he knows and I pray oh God give us eyes that see it because what I look at sometimes is just a mess and so painful and so hurtful but God sees something